waiting. Does it show we're up online? Oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay. We're up and going. The Challenge of Prayer, Part 7. You know, I was talking this morning and uh, there is a rest left unto the people of God. Let me, let me give you that, that verse. It's in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, chapter 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. The rest that he's been talking about in chapter 3 and on up in chapter 4. He also that has ceased from his own work, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in verse, verse 11. I was quoting the wrong verse. Least any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So the labor is not, and I know this is where a lot of people think, they think the labor here is going to church and reading your Bible and doing all of those things, working. But the labor here is believing. Because he says, don't fall after the same example of their unbelief. Now, in our lives, you know, because some people think, oh, we go to church and God will show up. I'm telling you what, He's here. He's in you, you're in Him. Uh, there's a verse in Revelation that says, Behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me. If we take all of the scriptures that we know and we try to explain that verse, it doesn't work. Now, what I mean is, because if I'm in him and he's in me and I'm the body of Christ and he appears, that means he's not here. That means he's over there. So there has to be another explanation to that verse. Uh, And let me tell you something. His reward is him. (laughs) It's not something that he brings. It's him. But what what it is, guys, is when you see him. And sometimes you, you can read the Bible and read the Bible and read the Bible and all of a sudden, wow. There he is, just wow. You've, you've read over it a million times, or you just see him in this, and you just see him, and he's the reward. So we're ever looking for him we're with our necks stretched out, looking for his, and that word, I come quickly, that word there is his appearing when he appears. So it's, it's not. But see, we have a separation mindset. And, and, and that's natural. This goes all the way back to the garden. And, the, and that's a, it's a, separation is death. So we don't labor to enter into this rest like God is withholding until I do something right. We have peace with God. The, the rest is just that very thing. He finished the work. We, I mean, when I say he finished the work, the thing that separated us from God was sin. I mean, that, that put a giant chasm in between us. Uh, and, of course, you know, that, that sin of unbelief. But, I mean, it, we, uh, there was sin there. So when Romans says we have peace with God, that is our current state of being. The reason we have peace with God is because Jesus Christ finished the work. He made a sacrifice once and for all, forever. The problem is we don't believe it. We won't rest in it. We won't take hold of it and and claim that. Um, We have the proof of that because the Holy Spirit. And, and now let me tell you, I know with the Holy Spirit we can get very charismatic here, but let me break it right down simple. This is what Paul said. The Holy Spirit in our heart crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I mean, that's, that's how we know in it. And, and this, is, this is great grace. I mean, this is, this is a, a astounding. I mean, this is what child is this. I mean, who could have done that? I mean, who is he? 
I mean, he's Emmanuel, God with us. He shall save his people from their sin. Now listen, he has saved us. He is saving us. He shall ever save us because you and I blow it all the time. And he's ever saving us. But at the same time he's ever saving us, we have peace with God. We have access through faith, through the blood of Jesus Christ to come boldly to the throne of grace. We said last week, and, and you know, we're calling this the challenge of prayer. I can, we could call it the challenge of rest. How many people actually rest in the finished work of God? Now, you, you think about this. He uses the example of Egypt. So what did they have to do? They've been slaves for 130 years, and here comes this guy. They've just seen all the plagues hit Egypt, almost all of them. There's going to be one more that night, the plague of death. And this guy Moses says, kill a lamb and put the blood on the door. Because the death angel's coming that night, and if he doesn't see the blood, the firstborn is gone. So they had to believe, and in their believing, they had to actually take the blood and put on the doorpost. Now, not only that, they had to go inside of the house... And cook the lamb and eat the lamb. You see what I mean? They didn't just apply the blood. They had to partake of the lamb. Now when they partook of the lamb, when they heard the sound, they come out. They come out. And when they got out, they had to, they come to the waters that was bitter. And they, and they threw in the tree. And the waters became sweet. They had manna that laid on the ground and they come right to, I mean, they come right to the Red Sea. And I mean, they're still complaining, but the Lord delivers them. And they come through the Red Sea and He brings them right to the edge of Kadesh Barnea to go into the land that I've sworn to give to you. It's yours. Now go in and take it. Look at all these mighty works that I've done. And they got right to the edge and said, no. I tell, and, and people still yet today won't Enter into that rest. That rest is there. The land was there. And they won't enter in. They'll think, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit showed up today. Guys, He showed up on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Free gift. Now you can, of your own choice, abide in Him or not. The problem is unbelieving. The people don't really believe we have peace with God. They don't really believe that once and for all He offered Himself a sacrifice for us all. Once and for all it's done and He sat down and it's finished. And I, I say all of that and you think, well, we've heard all this before. Because if you don't know that, you'll never pray with confidence. Never. You will, I mean... You remember we talked last week about blind Bartimaeus had to leave his beggar's coat? Now, we could get so caught up with our little mat by the pool of Bethesda and our little beggar's coat and live in that life, but this thing I'm talking to you about is not for beggars. I'm talking about something else here. And if you don't have this confidence, and, and you know this is what we, we said. Let me go get that verse. We, we've been right there in that verse for a long time. Uh, 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence... That we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that, we, that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of Him. We have confidence. Right? And see, I'm not praying to a, a, a God here. I'm praying to her Father who told me to ask. Many. I remember, I was, I was telling my friend this morning, I remember when I had that, that dream. I've told you guys this before. I, uh, I, I never knew till recently. Well, I, I kind of did, but I didn't. When I told you I, I've come into this field with all, and it was dark and everybody was groping around. And I asked everybody what they're doing and, and they said, uh, we're looking for the Garden of Eden. And I thought, and this was before I even came back, before I was preaching or anything. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. I'll look too. And turned around, and lo and behold, there was the Garden of Eden right before their eyes. But they were groping in the dark, and they couldn't see it. So I was telling everybody, it's here, it's here. Right here it is. And, I, and I, you know how your dreams take place in a setting. And so this wasn't some 
place, place, but it was on my uncle's farm. It was over there in the corn patch. And then every time we go hunting over there, I'm thinking, hey, Dad, see that cedar tree right there? That's it. But so I went back and told the people, I mean, here it is. I found it. And, and their first words were, why would God show him and not us? We've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, when I left the church, that was the exact words. Who does Brother Jimmy think he is? Why would God show him? He just got back. We've been in this for a long time. Sounds like the elder brother, don't it? But in the dream, I told him to come on, and we were getting ready to go in, and there was an angel there. And the angel says, you got to take that off. You can't bring that, those garments in here. they got to come off. And I took mine off and went in, and I stood there looking back at them, and they, they took the coat off, and they wouldn't take no more off. And they said, no, you can't come in. And, they, and I remember the very words. They said, it's too much. And they went back. I'll never forget it. It's too much. It's too much for people today to not be beggars I mean if begging is your whole life it's all you've ever known you've been a beggar for 50 60 years in the church and somebody comes along and tells you throw your beggar's coat away throw your mat away you don't have to do that anymore come on let's let's go it's it's too much I'm telling you there's a guy in the scriptures in the old testament you go check him out his name is Barzillia Barzillia, man, he helped David when David was on the run from Absalom. And, and when David come back into his kingdom, he said, go get Barzillia and bring him to, he'll eat at my table. And Barzillia said, it's too much. Let me eat and die with my own family down here in this other land. I mean, he got invited to the king's table, but he didn't want it. It's too much. So to tell people, and that's what I say, everybody don't get this, but to you, you get it with, with excitement. So, never come in prayers if you have to move towards a victory. You come in order to stand to the victory that's already been won. And I'm kind of rehashing a little bit last week. Prayer finds its highest expression in praise. And I've heard a lot of people, you know, this prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it. Which, there's a time and place for that. I mean, there is a, a, there is a time to say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. But, they get it all out of order because the first part is asking. Doesn't matter where you end up, the beginning of prayer is in asking. And not vague. We said this before, be specific in our prayer. Needs details. And the answer will be according to the details that was in our prayer. I mean, we prayed for Gene. I remember we prayed for the blood clots to be gone. And guess what? The blood clots are gone. So we were specific. We were you know, shooting an arrow at the, at the problem. Now, ask is sometimes translated as desire. There's a verse in Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, the same word as ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now think about it. I mean, this is Jesus. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I, know, and I don't know if you guys, this is why I call it the struggle of, or the challenge of prayer. Do you ever begin to pray for something? You have a desire for it, but then you stop because you feel like it's selfish. Do you ever do that? Like, oh my God, I, I'm, I can't pray for me. You know, I'm, I'm asking for that. I can't do that. I mean, that's too selfish. I, you know, we need, to, we need to get off our high horse. So I went ahead and asked the Lord for a million bucks. Yeah, I did. I'll share it with you, baby. Some of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, do you ever just think about that? I mean, you know, you start to pray and you think, you know what, if I did have some more money and things would be a little easier. No, nah, I can't ask that. I got to be too holy. We got to pray for all of this other stuff. Who says you can't? I mean, we, we come in this thing with, with great desires, right? I mean, see, we have a beggar's mentality. And we almost think if you find any success in, in your job, in your business, in whatever you do, oh, my God, I might lose my holiness. Well... As you receive Christ, so walk in Him. How did, you, how did you get your righteousness? It was a free gift. So, 
Why, why can't you ask? I mean, what is it your desire? I mean, you know what? I've, I've been poor and I've been a working man. I know all you, you well, not working men, but y'all been working people your whole life. And you kind of think, okay, this is our lot in life is to be poor and struggle our whole life. Who said? I mean, really, who said? Now, I'm not believing, listen, I'm not believing I'm going to go home. There's going to be lots of letters in the mailbox full of cash money. I don't believe that. But the Lord can just, just bless you wherever you're at and be, be prosperous. I mean, I, I, you know, when I think about this, I'm going to tell you what is, what is your desires. You know, the desires that you've had that's been in, been in you since you was a kid. I was talking, you know, to Zacchaeus. I said, what do you want? You know, just tell me what you want. He said, well, I want a family. I want a white picket fence. You know, the, and we call it the American dream. And I'd say, well, who don't want that? I mean, really, when you, when you get right down to it, you, you want to find a man. And you want to marry the man of your dreams or the woman of your, your dreams. And, and you want to have a good life. And, I mean, that's a desire. It? And then we say, well, life comes at you and it rolls you over. Well, and a lot of times we think it's supposed to be that way. And, guys, it's not. Somebody paid a hefty price. They sure did. So, you know... I like to have a farm, you know, maybe some goats on a farm or something, and a big white dog that watches over the goats. And, you know, I mean, I mean, you desired your, your house and your land and, and you prayed. And, but, see, we think, well, I can't really go ask the Lord for that. I say proving. Really, proving. And you think, well, that's not part of it. Listen, in the Old Covenant, he brought them into a land and says, I'll give you houses you didn't build. He sure did. Now, why was he so specific and said, I'll give you houses you didn't even build? I'll give you this land. I'll run everybody. Now, that was naturally so. See, you know, we got a newlywed Hannah back there. So I'm saying, you better get busy and you better be praying for a big old house. I mean, why not? Yeah. I already got that. You, you see what I mean? I mean, why not? We think, hey, we got it. This is our lot in life. It's not our lot in, in life is we're children of the king. We're, we're the family of the living God. And I mean, when he made this world, when he made creation, he made it a garden, a paradise. So we got to throw our beggar's coat off. We got we to stop the nonsense. I mean, look at this. Therefore, I say unto you, Whatsoever things ye desire, what do you desire? What I mean, what is it you desire? See, we separate things that we desire from, from church life. And we think, well, I desire this and it's burning me up. And you're thinking, and you know, if you're, if you're new or, or whatever, you're thinking, how can I get enough money? And what kind of price range can I go buy a house? And you, so you desire these things. But I'm afraid to pray about it because I might be selfish if I come over here and pray and that would just be selfish. Who put the desire in you? So, I mean, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You know, I come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to give me a farm. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how. <laughs> Jason's going, oh my God, I don't want to farm. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's some room to stretch your arms. People have different desires. Do you believe it? I mean, we get afraid of our desires. And to add, I don't know about you, but I, I have before. And, it, you know, I was talking with my friend and I said, you know, I've had to change my prayer life because, you know, I've always set me aside, you know. Daggone hips hurt. My shoulders all out of whack. I can't, you know, I just got to tough it out. I'm supposed to pray for other people. I can't. I mean, why? I mean, this word desire here is you desire it so much that you get to the point of asking for it. You know? What he's saying here is you just don't pray on a whim. I mean, yeah, sometimes in certain situations and emergencies, but that's not what I'm talking about. And many times that's the only time people pray. 
is on a whim in an emergency. And, and I, I hear about this. You know, you know how you can tell that people have desires? Because it, it comes out in complaints. I have a desire, and I'm not getting my desire, and I don't know, I, I'm, I can't ask for it because, you know, we can't really. So it just comes out as complaints. Because, you know, I hear, boy, this life sucks. So what, what is your desire? I, you know, well, it just life sucks, and it's hard. So what you're really saying is your desire is, is you want a better life. You, you want things to be different than what they are. So why not go ask? I want things to be different than what they are. And he's told me to ask. And he says, you believe that you receive it. So go ask. Do you see what I'm getting at here? So I, can, I hear people. It comes out as complaints. That's why God don't deal with complaining. That's the reason they didn't walk into the land and in, into the promised land because they murmured and they complained. But they never got their complaint over to an asking. You know? I mean, I'll show you here in a few minutes when you get into scriptures. They got to the land of Kadesh Barnea. They were afraid. The natural response of the flesh is to be afraid. So what? What do you do with the fear? Lord, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to ask for that. Tell him. You know, Joshua was a scaredy cat. I told you, he was a scaredy cat. I wouldn't have picked Joshua. I would have picked Caleb. Caleb was a man's man. He was a warrior. Caleb was a wimp, or Joshua was a wimp. God had to keep telling him, Joshua, fear not. Joshua, fear not. Joshua, fear not. He didn't ever say, Caleb, fear not. I mean, if you had to pick a mighty leader, I'd have picked Caleb. But God doesn't pick how you pick. You pick Joshua, scaredy cat. I call him a scaredy cat, and I'm glad he picked him because I go back to him. And he says, go into the land. I'm afraid. So, and God reassures him over and over and over. And you know what? I'm the same way. I need reassurance. And I mean, I don't sit up here today and say, oh, I got it, Bev. I got it. I probably after a while, I need some more reassurance. That's why we have the Holy Spirit that is given to us that testifies of the truth who is Jesus Christ himself and says, look. Confidence, that's what we read there in 1 John. Confidence that you can ask for your desires. Asking has desires, uh, desiring behind it. Asking is, is specific that you know exactly what it is. And, and prayer covers the whole spectrum of life that is open towards God. It includes many things. It includes waiting on God. That's another whole Lesson. It includes praising God. It includes worship. It includes petitions. All, all of those things. But supplications, it means ask. Ask out of your desire. Ha have your specific request. And because it's a desire, you just don't let it go. It's going to be in the request mode until you get the answer in your hand. I mean, there, there, there's a time for prayer when you're simply going to be with God. But what I'm talking about is the asking, the desiring, the supplicating, the requesting. And that is very specific. Not begging. Not begging. You see, blind Bartimaeus was so confident, he gave up his beggar's coat. No need to go back to that. Don't need that anymore. I gave it up. I let it go. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you remember we started out up there in the valley and we were meeting, we're sharing a building. We didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. There was a lot of prayers went up. And then we got this uh, building. We were just in one side and it still didn't feel like home, right? Because you're kind of, but now I hopefully it feels like home. The Lord is, so, so, I mean, but that request and it was there, Lord, we, we wasn't praying for this building. We were just praying for the Lord to put us where he wanted to, to have us and, and it, it stayed there. And, they, and, it, and that request didn't let up until we got it. You know, now it's, it's ours and we can do with what we want. 
I mean, the guy at the pool of Bethesda, he'd been sitting there 38 years. Do you want to be well? I mean, what kind of question is that? Is that, I mean, is that what you're putting into words by your sitting here on your little mat? Or have you gotten used to being the object of pity and being a beggar? A lot of people's used to it. I heard a, a guy was saying the other day, he said, I'm just a begging child of God. Think about that. Think about that mentality. That whole thing is wrong. I'm a begging child of God. That's a question he puts to us. In our areas of, of life, I hear him saying, do you want this changed? I mean, really? Do you want? See, we think it's, people think, well, that's my lot in life. And until you hear the Lord come and say, do you want this changed? I mean, he, the Lord is coming saying, what do you want? Talk to me. Tell me. Ask. I mean, he's saying, ask of me. Put it into words. I mean, you know, just talking to Zach yesterday, what do you want? Well, I know, what do you want? And the Lord over and over, and I mean, I ask people, what do you want? Well, they can't be specific. I want a farm with a river running through it. You know, at least 100 acres. It's a good flat land. <laughs> I think got this thing planned out in my head. Well, I ask. And in that asking, we're called upon to be very bold. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Listen to this. Verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, Eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I wonder what that purpose was. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. See, I love that. By whose faith? Thank goodness it's the faith of him. Because when I'm faithless, he's faithful. Access. What, what access is he talking about here? What access do you have? I want you to get a hold of this. I mean, he gave us a picture in the, in the tabernacle, in the temple. And he said, Moses, make it according to the pattern that I've shown you in the heavens. So Moses came down and made a scale model of what he saw in the heavens that God had showed him. And here in this tabernacle, you have an outer court and you had an, an inner court, the holy uh, the holy place, which had the, the candlestick and the table of showbread, the golden altar of incense, and there was a veil up, and behind that veil was an ark overlaid with a, mercy, a golden mercy seat with cherubims on top of it, and the Lord said, I would meet you there. But you see, there was a big veil, and that veil was about that thick. And only the high priest could go in there one time a year. So you never had an audience with the king. And, you know, if you wasn't of the tribe of Levi, if you wasn't one of Aaron's kids, you never had an audience with, with God. You couldn't. But now he says, through the blood of Jesus, even the common, dirty dog, low-down Gentile people can come boldly into the throne of grace. You have access. So, I mean, I get this picture. That, that, that here Jesus, here God the Father is sitting on His throne and for <coughs> 4,000 years, nobody could come, nobody could see His face. He was separated. But now when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom and now it's open. Heaven has been open and now... The king is sitting on his throne and, and it's go tell them all to come to me. Come unto me. All, all that are thirsty come. Let everyone who hungers come. Then he that hath no money come. And, and, and so what do we do? Oh, I don't want to go see the king. 
You see what I mean? I don't want us to go see the king. So here we get this admonition, this encouragement. Let us come boldly now. Here is a king who is, who is generosity, who is goodness. And I can come with my, the petitions of my heart because he put them there and he delights to give. God so loved the world that he did what he gave. It's his delight to give. I mean, you being evil know how to give good gifts. And I'm going to tell you what, you know, I just, I think sometimes, and I'm, this may be crazy, but I, I think sometimes, okay, let's, let's pretend that I'm Elon Musk or one of them guys that's worth, you know, billions. What I want to give my kids, you know, I'd be like, how much you want? thousand acres? Yeah. I'll give you, here's a thousand. Here's two thousand acres. You should ask me for three. I got, you know, and I'm thinking, I would do that if I had it, wouldn't you? And the Lord says, and you being evil know how to give good gifts, so why can't I come and why can't I ask? And it's his delight. I mean, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's just sitting there saying, man, I wish, I wish you would come and ask. I wish, I've been wanting to give this to you. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. What, what does that mean? He is who He says He is. That confidence, that's the same as what we read in, in 1 John. Boldness. Let me, let me describe to you boldness a little bit. Now you may, I might... Step on your toes here, but I don't want you to hear this. It, it means, in Old English, it means you got a brass neck. Uh, what that means is you don't hang your head, right? No room for begging here. It means you're not ashamed, right? Under the law, what could the law do? I mean, it could, I mean, it could only bring shame. That's all it could do, but... but, but now we have this confidence. It, it means not timid. You, you know what I mean? Not timid. You, you know what that means. I mean, they're shy. That timid is shyness. That means you can come in there with a bold, stiff neck, and you don't have to be timid or shy because you didn't earn any of it. You're never going to earn any of it. It's, you're just asking for what Jesus has already done, bought and paid for You come in there like your neck is made of brass, looking up, looking into the eye. Do you realize that? I mean, Paul says, we see the glory of God. We're at in the face of Jesus Christ. He wants you to come eye to eye. Moses talked to God as a man uh, talks to his friends face to face. He wants the God Almighty, the creator of the universe, wants you to come in and talk to him face to face and ask the desires of your heart. Now that just seems too audacious, doesn't it? Look him in the eye. I mean, isn't that not confidence? And you know how you can do that? Through the very blood of Jesus. It means boldness. It means freedom of speech. It means unrestrained speech. It means speech without any reserve. You don't have to watch your tongue. I've heard people, you know, they, you know, they be talking sometimes like, oh gosh, I can't. We made it better not say that. Might be black. Well, the lightning might strike. Can't go in and ask God for that. You know what? I mean, you ever listen? Everybody knows the story of the prodigal and then the elder brother. And the prodigal comes home, you know, to kill the fatted calf. And then, and then the elder brother says, You never gave me anything. Well, you remember his response? And I, and I think this all the time. I think, you know, the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. All souls are mine. Everything belongs to the Lord anyway. And, and he, told that, he told that elder brother, all that I have is yours. So, it, for, so for me to ask for a little parcel of that land, I'm not asking too much. You, you understand? I mean, I want to get you excited about... Praying, I don't know if I, I don't know, Hannah, if you see your new home yet, but you need to start. You need to get on with it. I mean, really, you need to get on with it. It's his good, good pleasure. 
to give those things to you. Well, go ask. I mean, lay it out there. Brass neck. It, it means you're at home in this situation enough to be able to say what you, what you think. It means freedom, total absence of fear in, in, in speaking boldly and frankly. It means audacity. Have you ever heard some? how dare him ask me that? How dare they say that? It means you had the audacity to go into God and ask for this beautiful home. You see, I, I mean, I want to get this religion out of the clouds and get it right down here where, where, it, where it is. Because, I mean, just like Zach said, it's so simple. I want the white picket fence. I want a family. Okay, now we, now we can get somewhere, right? Now we can get somewhere. And now I can start becoming excited because I'm asking for that very thing. And I'm stretching my neck out to see how God's going to do it because I ain't got a clue. I surely don't have the money to go buy a 100-acre farm. I'm sure you ain't got the money for a half a million dollar home, but this is going to be exciting when it comes around. Right? But we think, oh, this is my lot in life. I can't ask for that. We have boldness. Boldness. Well, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews. 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. What is mercy here? I've been telling you, the Hebrew writer, that, that word there is not mercy like, oh God, please don't kill me. That's chesed, that we might come in there and obtain the covenant. All that Jesus had died for. You know that book that was written within and on the backside, sealed up with seven seals? All the blessings of God that we were cut off from because of sin. Now the book has been opened, how through the blood of the Lamb. And you and I can come in and request every one of the blessings that has now been made available to us through Jesus. And you think, what blessings? Go read the book. I mean, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I know that was type and shadow. I know it was type and shadow. He said, Abraham, I want you to go to a land that I'll show you. And these people, a land that I'm going to give you. And, and I know we think, well, and I know that's fulfilled in, in the Holy Spirit. I know it is. But guys, I still got to eat. I still got to. Sleep, I still got to have a job, I still got to be healthy enough to go to work and pay the bills and do all of these things. So yeah, I need some land. I need these other things too. So I can go ask. And find grace to help in our time of need. So we come boldly. That's not with our heads hung down but with a brass neck. Our heads hung high. Don't come with shame. Dare to be bold. Unreserved speech in the presence of God. I mean, that is, I mean, for goodness sake, you can be you. I mean, I always used to, when I pray, I would put on another voice. I was like a ventriloquist. You know, you got to put your prayer voice on. Do you guys ever do that? Or have you done it? I mean, you know, it's like, okay, now we've got to be holy here for a second. I mean, I can come boldly in there. You know, I, th I think Tracy's a good example here because she asks her kids what she wants. Now, sometimes they'll make requests and, and you, know, uh, you know, they'll come right in and, and you know, I mean, you know, her two boys, Ryan and Logan. Ryan, he's, he's pretty bold. He comes right in because Tracy said, what do you want for Christmas? He comes right in. Boom, here it is. Here's what I want. I made my request. And, and you know what? He didn't come in and said, oh, great mom, if it could be your will, please. I, I've been good this year, please. He comes in and says, you're my mom. Here's what I want. You told me to ask. Pretty plain and simple, isn't it? Right? And you know what? She took no offense to it. She goes, how am I going to do it? But you know what? That's how we come to God. I don't know how you're going to do it. You told me to make my request. Here it is. Boom. There it is. And then you know what? R Ryan's back west and he don't really care how she does it. He made his request. Now it's up to you to go work it out. And he's just sitting back waiting. 
He's sitting back with expectation. And you know why he's sitting back with expectation? Because she's done it every year. So this is not, he's like, well, I don't know if she will or not. He knows who she is. So we can come with God and I can look and say, well, he's been doing it. He's always done it. So here's my request. I don't know how you're going to do it. Here it is. Now, Logan, on the other hand, just the opposite this year. She, she keeps going to Logan. What do you want? What do you want, Logan? What do you want? I don't want anything. And she's hounding him. The God is hounding you, Bev. What do you want? He's hounding all of us. What do you want? Ask of me. What do you want? And he's pecking us on the shoulder. We're walking away. And he said, what do you want, Hannah? What do you want? Ask of me. Because he delights in to give us. So now, it, without a request, Tracy, you know, she's like, well, now I've got to figure out something. Why don't he just make it easy and say, what do you want? Because we got to go through life with a whole lot of people who don't know what they want. And he said, what is the desires in your heart? Everybody wants something. So ask, do you see how this works? And we ask with boldness. A brass neck. Freedom of speech. Tell God how you feel. Tell God what you want. It's that freedom of speech that, that goes in sometimes. And you can read this in the psalm that goes in and tells God, Have you forgotten us? Are you asleep? Where you at? What are you doing? You realize Christmas is right around the corner? I mean, come on. I mean, look at uh, uh, Psalm I look at these psalms sometimes and I think, wow. Psalm 35, verse 23. Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, even into my cause, my God and my Lord. Where you at? God, wake up. <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, there's others. I won't, I won't go through them. You read the psalm and it just kind of blows your mind sometimes. Uh, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. There it is again, boldness. To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which is consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. Boldness. Having, therefore, you have it. You have it. Boldness. We can, do you realize, you're, you're, I mean, <laughs> you can walk right in to the throne of the universe and sit right down with your father and look him in the eye and tell him what you want. You have that access. I mean, we, we negate the blood of Jesus Christ and what happened on the cross. But guys, this is what happened on the cross. Heaven was open. You have access that you can come in. Not only come, not, not bringing a beggar's coat here. Uh -uh. As come in as his, his son. Behold what manner of love the fathers bestowed upon us. We're his children. I'm telling you what, is there any place that your children is not allowed? I mean, I mean, no matter what's going on, your little child can come and jump up in your arms. You know, to get bigger they can't, but you, you know what I mean? You're, you're never going to be too big to run and jump in, in the arms of your father. I can tell you that. He's big enough to hold you. And you can jump. I mean, he could be in the middle of, of raising up nations and throwing down nations, but, you know, his little child can come right in and he can do that with one hand and hold you and with the other. I mean, he's, he's not too busy. And, and let me get back on this, this asking here. You, you do it so specifically because you know it's the will of God and you do so in faith. That's part of the confidence. And, and see, here's where we'll cut ourselves off. We think, well, it's not the will of God. Who said it's not the will of God? Go read the covenant documents. He said, I'll give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. He said it. I, I mean, I didn't say it. He said it. He promised it. So now, God, I'm bringing us back to, I'm, call, I'm coming boldly in there and saying, look, I don't know how you're going to do it. I mean, the job I got, I can't afford that. I don't, but here I am. 
Yeah. With confidence. Now, let me say this. If you come and you're, and you're doubting, don't pray just yet. Go back to the verses that assured you it's His will, that assure you of, of prayer. Uh, go back and take your time. God's not in a hurry. I mean, I got to go back. I got to look. Wait a minute. He said, yeah. Assure, get assurance. God can do more with you in one minute. When all this is together, then in 20 years, are you mumbling and bumbling and stumbling around? You know, uh, James says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Let him ask in faith. This is the confidence, right? He said it. In, in Hebrews 11, what's it say? But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I know how people... Read these verses, and they come across very negative. I want you to thank everything I said. Go back to 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 Tracy and 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 Ryan and Logan. Okay, here's one that says, "Here's what I want." You know what? That makes her job a whole lot easier now. She doesn't have to try to figure out something. Okay, Ryan, he made his request. Boom, we can we can go. But now Logan, oh my gosh, he's 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 not asking for anything. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now keep in mind all of this in in the asking phrase. I I can't go, I can't, I got to go to God in the same simple faith that Ryan came to Tracy in. She's my mom. She said, what do you want? I told her. I'm going to, I don't have to worry anymore. I can go sit down over here. She'll do it. I don't know how she'll do it, but she'll do it. So I come to God in that simple faith. He says, what do you want? And I'm believing he is who he says he is, right? I'm believing that that's who he says. He's my father. He said it. And I come and I say, this is what I want. I don't like this situation. I want this change. I want this. I need this. You know, whatever. And I, and I go rest. I believe that he is who he says he is. And see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You understand what he's saying now. It's not God is all mad at you. He desires for you to come and ask. He desires for you to come and ask. And that's simple. You're who you say you are. Now again, there's times when you ain't sure. Go back. Let the scriptures feed your faith. Go back and look at them again. I mean, I have to. Uh, wait a minute. He said, I'll give you houses you didn't build. Now wait a minute. Let me, go, let me just let that. And I, I bring that around. So that you can boldly come through the blood of Christ. I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm here by God's invitation. Do you get that? I'm here fulfilling my destiny. I'm here to enforce and implement the finished work of Christ and the, and the, and the covenant here. We know He hears us. We're confident. We're expecting an answer. Even the faith of the size of a mustard seed. Now, i got to say this. Faith in your asking should be reflected in the faith in your conversation. Now, what I mean by that? You're not on two levels here. Let's say I'm praying for this person. I have faith that, that the finished work of Christ is going to be applied to this person's life. Now, when I'm not asking, I've already made my prayer, don't let my conversation about that person be different. What I I mean is, if I believe that effectively through Jesus, that I have presented this person before the Lord, this is my request, the next time I meet this person, don't think about that person as he was before you prayed. You think about him as somebody in whom the Spirit of God has already began to do the work of answering your prayer. Do, do you get a hold of that? 
Because if I go and talk to the person or view the person in the same light, I'm acting as if God hasn't done anything nor answered my prayer, but I'm coming in confidence. And I'm, I'm coming and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to be praying for Bev. I want this and I'm praying for Bev. And, and when I come and see Bev, i got to see Bev in the new light. I've already presented her before the Lord. And the Lord is already working in her life and she don't even know it yet. But that's the way I have to, that's the way I have to do it. Faith in prayer is not an isolated factor. Faith in prayer reflects now in an expectancy, in an excitement in all my words. I'm excited now of what's about to take place in your life. Even when the person doesn't even, don't even seem to have any change whatsoever. I look at them with a wink because I know God is working in their life. And, you know, there's people that I've prayed for and their life looks like a complete mess. And I just kind of look and I'm thinking, whoo. I know what's going on in your life. He's been there. He's working. Because I ask. And I know he is who he says he is. It's, it's going to change my whole attitude towards him. You see what I mean? So we can have all these big fancy words of faith, but it comes down to how we now view the object of prayer. So in one sense, I become the answer to my own prayer. The Bible speaks a lot about balance. You, you know, balance, you remember the scales. You come in and you buy a pound of stuff and they put a scale, a pound of weight over here and they balance out. And, and they would call that scale worthy, okay, when it balanced out. You're to walk worthy of the vocation or walk worthy of the calling where until you've been called. So that's what he's talking about. So if I'm going to be praying this prayer, uh, my conversation and my walk needs to be worthy of, of, of what I'm praying here. You see that? If I got a pound of weight to pray, let there be a pound of weight to believing. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna show you something here. Um, there's a, there's a lot to cover. I want to keep you all day. But, you know, it says, ask in my name. Ask in my name. Jesus said, ask in my name. And in, in speaking in the name of Jesus, you're speaking in all that God has revealed himself to be and all that God has done in that name. When I speak of the name of Jesus, I'm speaking from the throne. From the throne. I'm speaking the word of the enforcer. This shall be the amen, right? The authority... And I know everybody wants power, and I'm not being facetious here, but the authority is in the blood of Jesus. The power is in the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus is the authority. The power is in the Holy Spirit. Now get this. We don't send our prayers to God. Why is that? Where are you? You're in Him. We can send our prayers and our words into the situation. Do you get what I'm talking about? We don't, we don't have to be there. Like well, I'm praying for the church in the Philippines. I'm in Him who is omnipresent everywhere. So I don't have to be in the Philippines. And But my words, the words that I pray, have effect in the Philippines because He's there. Elijah prayed. I don't know how long he prayed, but he suddenly appears on the scene. He said, according to my word, there'll be no rain or dew. We know that from studying Elijah, there was a seeking and asking God, and he had a covenant word from God that it won't rain. He's asked for that covenant word, and he had assurance it was done, and he went before the king, and he said, according to my word. Why did he say according to my word? Because that's the way kings talk. King said, according to my word, I decree this. And it's so. Elijah went in there and spoke with the language from the throne. According to my word. Let it be or don't let it be. That's a creative word. Let me show you. And I'm going to give me about 10 minutes here. Second Chronicles. I want you to look at this prayer. Jehoshaphat. 
Boy, Morgan don't know how blessed she is. I almost named her Jehoshaphat. <laughs> it was close. Jehoshaphat and Morgan. Morgan and Jehoshaphat. What's, what's yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Jehoshaphat's too long. Morgan. Chapter 20, 2 Chronicles. Now, Jehoshaphat, he had, there was a lot of preparation here before this prayer. Jehoshaphat had the Levites out, and they were teaching the people uh, about the Lord, teaching the law at the time, that's the way they knew the Lord, teaching them how to praise and sing, and, and you know, bringing, getting the people, because, you know, they would have good kings and bad kings, and so whole generations would be lost, but Jehoshaphat was, had, had these people out, and they were teaching the people, so there was a lot of preparation here. Teaching the people who they are. These people had forgot they were God's own people. They forgot they were God's covenant people. Jehoshaphat knew who he was. He knew he was God's vice regent under God. He knew he was king, but he knew God was the big king. And then suddenly these enemies appear to battle in verse 2. Ammon and Ammonites, they all got together. Then there came some, and in verse 2, Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on the side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat's first response to that is, look at verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared. I mean, that's a pretty natural response, isn't it? And he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. See, I told you, it's not, you're not supposed to be afraid, is what do you do with the fear? What did he do? He set himself to seek the Lord. And then, verse 4 and 5, Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even of all of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Now look, I mean, these enemies are coming. They're coming to wipe them out. His first response is fear. He's seeking the Lord. He calls for the whole community to get together. Now the community can get together because he's had the Levites out there teaching them who they are and who he is. And they're learning how to praise. And they're learning these things that had slipped away. Just like now, these things have slipped away. You can't go into battle. You can't approach this like Jehoshaphat did. There would have been a lot of preparation ahead of time. And look, look how he begins here. He said, O Lord God of our fathers. Why did he say that, O Lord God of our fathers? He, he, you know what he's saying here? We didn't meet you this morning. This ain't our first encounter. You've been doing this for a long time. He's saying, I stand in the flow of covenant history. You're no stranger for us or to us. For a thousand years you've been our God and we've been your people. Our fathers have been proving you over and over and over and over again. And, and, and he says, our Father, uh, the Lord God of our fathers, art thou not God in heaven? Meaning, this looks like an impossible situation, but you're so high up above that these situations look impossible here to us on the earth. But are you not the God who is above every situation that could ever be? That's why uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians, far above all principalities and powers. It, it seems impossible, but with God all things are possible. Aren't you the God in the heavens? And rulest thou not over the kingdoms of the heathen? These guys are coming to take us. You can't just do what you want. Nobody can just do what they want in this land. Now they think we're kings and rulers and presidents and vice president. We can do what we want. You can't. Listen, there's somebody over this. Are you not the, the God of the, all the kings of the kingdoms of the world? Do they not all answer to you? Now these people think they can do whatever they want. They can't. And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand? See what he's saying? He's saying, 
Jehoshaphat is saying, I'm not talking to some God here who's afraid, who looks at the situation and says, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not talking to a God who's scared. I'm talking to somebody who has everything in the palm of his hands. He knows. Now, I want to tell you something here. Jehoshaphat is not challenging God. Jehoshaphat is assuring himself. Before he goes to prayer, he's assuring himself. He says, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. God is above all of these people. God has all power above all of these people. Nobody can say, why doest thou? He's God. And he's been proving this stuff for a thousand years in our family. So he's assuring himself before he gets to the prayer. Art thou not our God who drivest out the inhabitants of this land before the people, before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? I mean, he's saying right here, you, you, you've given yourself to us in covenant. I'm reminding myself, this is who you are. And I mean, you made this covenant. That's what he said, friend, Abraham. We're, we're in covenant with this mighty God here. He's reminding himself. And he's saying, these people are trying to run us off from the land that you gave us. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name's saying. I mean, he's saying, God, not only do we live here, you live here. This is your sanctuary built for you. We built a tabernacle so the whole world will know who you are. Now these enemies are coming in to run us out, run us off the place that you gave us. You live here too. Verse 9, if when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then will thou hear and help. Guys, that's right out of Solomon. That's right out of, right out of, of Kings there. Solomon prayed that prayer. He's quoting that. He said that you would help us. That's why I'm coming with such boldness. You said you would help us. All that's the the prayer before the prayer. Now here comes the prayer. Now look, and now, verse 10, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and destroyed them not. He's naming the problem. Now they got names. Ammon, Moab, and Seir. And he's reminding God, remember when you brought us out of Egypt? We wanted to invade them and wipe them out. And you wouldn't let us. You wouldn't let us. Now them same people that you wouldn't let us destroy is coming to destroy us. Now look what he says. And behold, I say how they reward us. Look what they did. We showed them mercy. We showed them love. And look how they're trying to reward us by taking everything we got and running us out of Dodge. To cast us out of your possession, which you gave us to inherit. Look at his request, verse 12. Oh God, oh our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. We can't do a thing here. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We don't have no power in this situation, but our eyes are upon you. I'm telling you, the prayers of the Bible, they they rehearse, they recall, they bring to remembrance like we're going to do here in a minute. The things that were in the past into the presence. They bring it into the now. I mean, you just go back and you, you look at this prayer. And you know, you know how, it, how it ends. They brought the singers out. They went out and they, they praised the Lord. And, and these people, Ammon and Moab and, and Seir, turned against each other and killed themselves. And the scripture says when they went out, they, when they went out to see them big towers. You know, they had the big catapults. And they went out. And all they found was dead bodies. And they found so much jewelry so much gold and silver they couldn't even carry it all back 
the scripture says. It was too, they, they gathered up jewelry for three stinking days. And on the fourth day when they came back in, they came back into Jerusalem a shouting and rejoicing. And all the world around knew that the God of Israel fought for his people. And they all the enemies of the Lord knew were, were in fear of this mighty people. What did they do? They went out singing some songs. But do you hear his prayer? His, his prayer, all the stuff that led up to the prayer to, to get to the boldness part. And then finally, when he says, Oh God, will you not judge them? Will you not judge them? We don't know what you're going to do. Uh, we, we're, we, don't, we don't have any might here. We, it's on you. You gave us this land. You said this was ours. You're in covenant with us. And they come with boldness. God, will you not judge them? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit with that, guys. I could just keep going on. I probably went way over my time. 